Hawk Talk is brought to you in part by the Monmouth Medical Center and RWJ Barnabas Health Facility and a recognized leader in patient safety and clinical quality. For more information about services close to you, visit rwjbh.org slash Monmouth. Let's be healthy together. You're listening to Hawk Talk, the official podcast of Monmouth University Athletics. And here are your hosts, Greg Viscomi and Gary Kowal. Well, Gary, here we are back on a cloudy Thursday morning. Uh, excited for this week's guest. We'll get to that in a minute. Spring sports in full swing. We're about to leave for the CAA tournament for men's basketball. The women have two more home games, two more shots to come, come out and see them. And then uh, they have their CAA tournament next week, and then it, all eyes are on the spring. Yeah, it's that, uh, it's that time of year. A couple more chances for you to get out and uh, check out our women's team. They're fighting for a chance to get up into sixth place, um, to the sixth seed, if they can get a couple wins this week, um, six or seven. So come out and support them. Senior day on Saturday, four fifth-year seniors definitely um, have contributed to the success this year, so they definitely deserve your support. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I will say definitely a few more times. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh, a lot of seniors, kind of, a, I don't want to say senior laden, but a lot, a lot of girls who have been around here a long time. And uh, season ticket holder appreciation day is Saturday. Uh, so you'll want to, uh, if you are a season ticket holder, you want to uh, come and get your free stuff there. And uh, if you're not, it's never too late to get on board. Yep. Men uh, play Hampton tomorrow. That's Friday. Two o'clock, Washington D.C. See if the Hawks can uh, get on a little run here. Get a little bit uh, hot hap- in March. It's happened before. It's happened before. It, the CAA tournament is especially hard, though. You got to win all so the, many teams. Got to win like six games in a row. So many teams. That's that's a lot for anybody. But anyway, doesn't matter. Fly Hawks. Uh, today's guest, one of the most beloved coaches here at Monmouth University, has been here a bunch of years. I'm not going to quantify, uh, but has the team off as always playing tough tough teams early on uh in the in the beginning of the the schedule always have to go south you know be like snowbirds uh just because of the weather and, and some other uh things up here but anyway uh our baseball coach Dean Ehalt coach Ehalt thank you for taking some time today we know you guys are leaving soon for the weekend and uh it's late in the, late in the week here yeah appreciate you guys having me Coach, uh, Greg just touched on it, but you guys go down this weekend. You play in Virginia. You just came back from Cary, which is, I know, an annual trip. Um, FAU. Is that this time of year kind of a time to get your guys bonded and, and on the road together? Is that kind of the main focal point outside of the baseball? Yeah, real important. All the non-baseball things that happen within the framework of a team. Um, you know, we try to factor that in and make that part of who we want to be and, and what we do. Uh we have to fight a lot of things, you know, academics. Uh, that's a demanding balance that we're dealing with. And also, um, you know, the, the practice time that we get here inside, uh, going down and getting on a field immediately is real beneficial. Do you think, what, what kind of is the schedule of philosophy for, for you early on in the, in the season? Um, you're always playing, you know, up, let's say. 
And then, uh, like Gary said, going down to carry, and, and that's always a good mix of teams. Penn State's always there. Um, what are you trying to achieve with your non-conference portion of the schedule, especially early on? Try to balance it out a little bit, um, play some really uh, traditionally strong teams, some Power 5 teams if we can, and then um, play teams that are really good at playing baseball, You know, teams that have a rich tradition, teams that are coached well, teams that that'll challenge us in, in many different ways. You know, we're going, we're, we're going to take a test or a quiz and, you know, we're the students and they're administering it. And, you know, uh, for instance, you know, there's a lot of schools that have different styles of play. So we try to diversify that a little bit to get mm-hmm. us acclimated to, um, you know, what we can't replicate in practice. I just, we just, I just mentioned before how, you know, we talk about carry is a, is a good trip for you guys, and you've been to FAU a handful of times, um, Dallas Baptist, East Carolina. Those are kind of common opponents. Um, do you see any change in, in that moving forward with, with the CAA? Do you think you need to um, play more of, of those type of games, less of those type of games? I know you kind of you lose a weekend um, with how many weekends there are in the CAA. Do you see that changing at all? Yes. I think that um, there's a lot of different layers to that, what we've done in the past, what we're going to do this year. Uh, how we're going to move forward with that. So there's more travel in the CAA. And, and the one thing is if the college baseball players, it, it's a demanding schedule early in the season with the bus trips, the plane trips, the academics, the practice time, nutrition. Uh, it, it's, it's a grind for these kids. And, uh, you know, they answer the bell every weekend, not just at Monmouth, but at, but at every school. And, um, you know, some of the schools that have online classes are – at more of an advantage with regards to balancing out the demands on the student athletes. Uh, moving forward, we're going to continue to, you know, be tested and test our team early in the year to get ready for CAA play. It's a, it's a Southern conference. So the travel's a little bit different. So we'll look to maybe take more regional trips those first five weekends instead of going away, uh, you know, where there's multiple plane trips and we're going to different time zones. That makes sense. Um, I think, Greg, we've talked about this with a lot of coaches since last year when we made this announcement, but I think baseball and softball um, and the spring sports are really um, in a little bit of a different boat, right, because you have teams in the south that can play baseball mm-hmm. all year and they can be on the field 365 days. Um, obviously presents a challenge for you guys, but how do you how do you attack that? How do you see – um, you know, how do you see your program attacking those challenges in the coming years? And, and it's got to be exciting, right, to, to be able to play against some really prime-time baseball schools down south. Yeah, well, first of all, the CAA is a, has, a, you know, like a southern tradition. And baseball is a priority at many of those schools down south. And not to date myself because Greg – didn't know how many years I was here, or he didn't want to be. He didn't want to take being a chance on being yeah, right. I, I, I know. I know. Uh, um, how many, Greg? I think you were in thirty-one. Uh, that is incorrect, Greg. However, the CAA is a Southern <laughs> Baseball um, League, uh, and actually, dating myself, I I played in it. Um, so you know, it was real Southern back then. So you have the warm weather, you have the facilities, players are out all the time, uh, outside uh, on the field. So. You know, when it comes to competing in the league, we're trying to, on the field, we're just trying to play baseball and, you know, have a chance to win the game, play solid baseball. You know, it's, uh, it's the game never, the game doesn't change really. And regardless of who we're playing, you know, we still have to execute and make good baseball plays. So, you know, that part never changes. However, the, you know, the level of competition, um, 
if the waters get a little deeper moving into the mm-hmm. CAA, um, it could potentially be a two bid league moving forward. Um, if not this year, um, you know, with the addition of Campbell next year and some of the teams that are, are really committed to baseball and really committed to, you know, their sport, both with coaches and, you know, facilities. So it's, it's going to be challenge. It's going to be fun. It's going to definitely, um, be more of a, uh, of a, a baseball baseball environment than going to play at a neutral field or mm-hmm. something with uh, very little atmosphere. So there's going to be atmosphere most of the weekends. Now, one of the things I know that the CAA does that, that uh, our, I believe our past two conferences then, or at least the MAC didn't, was play Friday, Saturday, Sunday, no doubleheaders. Um, as a coach, do you prefer that format? Do you not prefer that format? And why? For, yeah, I think the baseball traditionalists want to play three days, three games. Um, in my previous 20-some years when we were in different conferences, we played Friday, Saturday, and Sunday in some of those some of those years, and mm-hmm. it worked very well. Uh, I think there's a balance. Um, you know, for instance, last week we were we were on the field for ten hours. Uh, last Saturday, uh, I'm sorry, last Friday we Friday. were on the field. Our our second weekend of the season, we're on the field for ten hours. We got to the field, we left the field, ten hours on our feet. That's not real good for anybody. So uh, definitely prefer the three games. It's better quality baseball. It's better balance for the players and student athletes and the fans. And, you know, long-term it's, uh, it's a game of, of, uh, you know, it's a, it's a marathon, not a sprint. Mm-hmm. I can attest to those long, those long doubleheader days in the Mac. Um, Cause what people don't factor in is, yeah, it's a one o'clock start, but it's a, a BP and taking infield and setting up the field and getting out there early and, and et cetera, et cetera. So um, I think that's an important factor too, is, is playing, three games in three days as opposed to three in two days um, cuts down on travel a little bit, but I think for the student athlete experience, it's, it's a no brainer um, coach. You've had some, some super successful alums come through the program um, both on and off the field. We talked to, to Andy Myers a couple weeks ago on this and he's been super successful, obviously on the field here and then, and after the fact, but um as somebody who's been in the program as long as you have and, and coached all these guys, um, how are you able to kind of maintain relationships with so many alums? And um, I met the first pitch center. There's so many guys coming back. How are you able to kind of find that ability in, in a, a college baseball season to stay in touch with all these guys? Well, I try to, I try to text every guy on their birthday or at least call them. So that's, that's once a year, right? So I'm pretty sure I get, 95% of the guys with their birthday. And then there are other times throughout the year that I'll, I'll talk to them. I, but I think what we've done here over the years is we've kind of, we've kind of made guys connect with each other. And that in turn, you know, takes care of all of that other stuff where guys come back. Cause they, maybe they don't come back to see me and I'm okay with that, but they come back to see the guys that are at the event, you know, their teammates and you know, the bonds that they made. And that's kind of, I think what we've created here over the last 30 years. <laughs> uh, I just want, I want to flip back to last weekend, the game against Maine. You guys go down and all of a sudden just turn it around. What is your message? I mean, it, that's the fun part about baseball, right? And I've seen that a couple times over my 16 years here. Uh, just when you think like you're at the breaking point, it's like, man, we're, you know, we're just got to get it this day over. All of a sudden, here comes a hit squad. So you start making plays. 
what's the mood like in the dugout? And how did you just kind of keep these guys in it to be, to believe to come back and beat Maine? Well, sweet Maine. It's a constant battle, you know, to make sure everybody's on task. And you know, we our priority yesterday was making sure we were concentrating in practice, right, and shoot, uh, shooting uh, shooting our best shot. You know, making sure that we're doing everything we need to to be good. Um, so I guess the message during the game is to just understand over practice over time that it's a nine inning game and you got to play every pitch and uh, when something bad occurs you got to get over it and 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 respond when something good happens you got to build on it Uh, it's a long it's three hours it's up and down there's two minutes in between innings Um, you know your mind can wander we have a really good group of kids this year and I was happy to see them respond in that manner we fell behind nine nothing we were we couldn't do anything positive, uh, you know, on the scoreboard at the beginning of the game. And then we got a couple runners on, got a hit to break the ice, and then we just kept kept the line moving. And, and these guys, they made comment that this year was – that game was different than last year. And I mm-hmm. think every team kind of takes on their own identity. And I really think that they just thought that, hey, we responded really well here when we were down 9 nothing, And they did. But the better part of that the, – the big part of that was they recognized that. And hopefully that'll help us out moving forward. It's no fun being down nine nothing, but <laughs> no. you know to battle back. And then thanks for not saying that we uh, we gave up five in the ninth to fall behind thirteen. Uh, well, 14, it was thirteen, and then it was came a long game. It. But um, you know the team kind of takes on the, the identity of um, you know the guy next to him. I think we have a really good balance of new guys, returning guys, and um, transfers, and they're they're kind of starting to blend together. And the bus trips and being on the road helps as well. Right. Bonding, like Gary alluded to. Uh, one quick point about last week's game. I was down in Virginia with the with the basketball team, and I was watching on the live stream. Um, from your spot in the dugout, did you think Austin's ball was out? Because I think there was some confusion on the field for, for a couple seconds there. It was, mm-hmm. it was close. The catcher was celebrating. Our guys were running on the field. I didn't know what was happening. From where you were in the dugout, did you, did you know it was gone? Well, I thought the kid caught it. I thought the center fielder caught it just based on his reaction. I mean, he was right on it. The Denlinger hit a – he crushed that ball with two strikes, and that kid was on his horse, and I thought he caught it. I thought it was going to be one of those ones where he yanks it back over the fence and he holds it up, and uh, I think he crashed into the fence. His glove fell off, and, you know, you can't catch the ball if you don't have a glove on. <laughs> but uh, he he came awful close. Um but after he came down, and I could tell by his body language that he didn't catch it, uh, it was pretty exciting. But the, it, it was really close. And, and last year we played a game where Barker hit a ball very similar to that, and the center fielder from the other team came out of nowhere and caught it. And I don't want to get into the game or the weekend, but I still remember <laughs> that. And, uh, that's what I had flashback to that. But I'm glad it went out because Denlinger's been playing really well and um, – the guys really have embraced him as a new player. Yeah, I'm curious to, to get into that a little bit. I think it'll be interesting for people to hear your roster construction is a little different this year. You, you've traditionally had a lot of success recruiting guys out of high school. Obviously, the transfer portal has become a thing in, in recent years, but you have Austin Denlinger, who was a Division three All-American. Um, you have a couple of guys who played at the Division two, Division three level. You have a couple of junior college guys. Um why go that route first off, and, and what element do they bring? You know, a guy like Austin who's played a lot of college baseball but at a lower level, um, you know, take me through that philosophy. 
Well, the transfer portals, a, you know, that's that's some a conversation for a different day. But you know, we're going to benefit by bringing some guys in that um, can help us out. You know, style of play, plugging in where's where they're needed. Um, you know, depth of things of that nature. And we identified Denlinger as a guy that was a ball player right from the go, kind of like an old school guy who just loves to play. And he's, he, he hasn't missed a beat from day one and, and couple that in with some other guys that have transferred in. Um, it really is a, um, it's a different environment in the fall, you know, on your, on your field, because you have a, a veteran presence with new guys, not a bunch of exclusively freshmen learning how to play and they don't know, uh, you know, what's expected of them. So it's been a, a really good blend and I think we can be successful moving forward with that philosophy and targeting those types of players in the transfer portal. How important, excuse me, how important is that when you're bringing in a, a transfer either before or, or now um, the fit on the current team? I, I mean, it, that's got to be pretty important, I would think, because like you said, you're on buses, you spend so much time together, you're playing 58 games or how many ever. Uh, Fit's huge. Fit fit was huge 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. It's more important now, um, especially coming off the pandemic and COVID, where uh, guy, we missed all these years of continuity. So we're trying to get back to where it used to be um, with the building of classes and passing the torch and you know, this class setting an example for this group and these guys being this group's mentors. We're, we're not back to that fully because of the abbreviated season and the disrupted season. Um, but fits huge. You know, um, you, you got to get the right people in a group and your group will perform better. Moving forward, um, like we talked about, the transfer portal is going to be a, a major factor. But how do you balance that with – I'm curious – Everybody wants to jump in the portal, right? Like, oh, you need a shortstop? Go in the portal. Go get a shortstop. Um, and we did that this year, and, and that's going to continue to be a thing. But how do you balance that with what you've always done, which is kind of pull kids out of high school programs and develop them to be really good ball players? That's kind of been a, a calling card of your program. How do you continue to do that with the balance of we really need to fill a position now versus we can bring a kid in and develop them? It's going to be uh, – it's delicate. You know, it's uh, there's no – it's changed. It's, it's certainly changed. It's changed in many ways. You know, when you watch a college a baseball game on TV, all they're talking about is this kid played at a previous school and he was in the transfer portal. And then you have social media part of it. Um, you know, kids, kids know about this, you know, and I hope our guys aren't using this as a springboard to get to the next level, but, but it, it's happening and it's encouraged. Um, it seems like it's, you know, you, if somebody's feeding that dog and that dog is eating, so I think we have to recruit the right kids out of high school, keep them, retain them, make sure they're treated right, make sure they're developing. Uh, they have a chance to play. Um, the, the roster sizes are big throughout the country. Um, that's kind of contributing to some transfer portal issues and some numbers games uh, That's throughout the country. Because of COVID, right? The, yeah. The, the numbers for, are inflated. Sure. And everybody wants to get better. And, you know, you have a full team in – on June 15th and all of a sudden a player becomes available on June 28th and Hey, he's going to make our team better. So, and he's a good fit. Yeah. You got to consider taking him. So it's a delicate balance moving forward with the imports and the exports. And I think the, just being honest, you know, like just 
having the respect to handle your business like a man and be honest. And if a kid doesn't want to be here and wants to enter the transfer portal, we hope they tell us and, um, you know, we can take the next, uh, the next step to replace them. Cause the, cause the import export of, of players is, you know, that's going to balance out, but you're never going to get back the time you had invested in a young man who wants to transfer. That's mm-hmm. the, that's the sad part of this whole thing. Right. You build a race relationship with a kid, especially, you know, obviously someone that you recruit and bring into your program as a freshman. I mean, it's not like they just walk on day one. You're like, Hey, how's it going? You build relationships with the family, with the kid, with the coaches, with their coaches, with their, you know, with their non high school coaches. Yeah, for sure. And you know, mama's a great place, great people, uh, really nice environment to, to learn, to be a student, to go to school and, Everybody likes Monmouth, you know, it's just that everybody wants to challenge themselves as well out there. Mm-hmm. And um, sometimes there's some sticky fingers involved and things mm-hmm. get a little derailed and kids kids um, make, make some bad decisions. Kids make good decisions, but it's there. We got to deal with it. And um, we're trying to do the best we can from a respect and honesty standpoint with the kids who are recruiting the kids in our program. And then we're trying to get the best fits to, you know, come to Monmouth via the transfer portal. Right. New staff for, for you this year, a couple of new guys. Um, one of them, Kyle Norman, played for you for a couple of years. Um, I think as a whole, and, and Greg can probably get into this a little bit too, um, one of the things when you take a step back from Monmouth baseball since you've been here is how many guys have worked for you that are having so much success in college baseball? Um, and I don't want to leave anybody out, so I won't really get into names, but – you have guys all across the SEC, the ACC, um, you know, guys who coached under you for a number of years and are having success. Is there a secret to that? Is it a little bit of luck? Is it, um, you know, that's my first question. And and how proud are you of those guys and the steps they've made? Extremely proud. Extremely, you know, honored that they are associated with our program, um, have the utmost respect for those guys. It was kind of neat seeing um, – five of those guys waiting to get into a meeting in January at the convention. We were all kind of like standing together and um, guys from different, you know, different errors and whatnot, but they're still there. So, you know, I, I'm honored that they're, they're here. They were here. They contributed to the program in a positive way. I think when we hired them, I identified them as somebody that had real good potential as a coach. And um, it started out with, you know, a few guys and those guys, took another job and did well. And then it kind of evolved into, you know, the next guy is um, he must be really talented because the guy he replaced is being successful. So they've, they've created that themselves. I take no credit for that. Um, So they're all responsible for getting to where they are on their own. I would like to think that when we talk about the alumni and the players drafted and, you know, the baseball environment that we're promoting here and creating and, it's it's in place. It's um, it's just not with the players. It's with the staff too. Yeah, I think you can definitely see that guys are still invested in Monmouth baseball that that have since moved on. And um, I know you're you're not going to take any of the credit, but there has to be some credit put there. I mean, you know, just just crank out assistance and the SEC and the ACC stuff's awesome, but there are guys that are coaching head coaches at at 
Division one spots. There are guys who have gone on to take head coaching jobs at Division three spots and start their own programs. And um, high school guys too. A ton of high school, ton of high school guys. Uh, but you don't, you know, you don't get to be in that position without taking something away from a guy you've worked for, like like Coach E. Halt. So, um, yeah, I think I think the guys, you know, the players that have gone on to coach high school and coach, you know, travel and be involved with high level players and, you know, be involved with their children and in youth sports. Um, uh, these guys that have moved on to these other colleges as assistant coaches, they they've impacted the the lives of, of our players as well. So, you know, that's something that they don't get credit for, you know, cause they've moved on to the next school. So, you know, let's say for instance, we have, you know, Sippy Apicelli is the coach right down the road at Ocean Township High School. Somebody impacted him at a young age. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know most likely his dad because his dad was a, uh, a a great youth league coach and the fields are named after him in Ocean. But, you know, somebody inspired him and somebody kind of molded him at a young age to do what he's doing. So these guys that have coached here, they're all successful where they're at now. I think we have four or five ACC guys. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, they get to see each other on a regular basis. It's kind of fun to follow them. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I'm yeah, I'm tuned in with those guys. And one ex coach that comes back to do our to do our games, Leo. He's well, a legend. He is a total legend. Uh, <laughs> we maybe, can have an entire podcast to just tell Leo stories. Uh, but the other day, when or yesterday, when I was driving home, I was thinking about having Coach on the podcast and thinking up baseball stuff we wanted to talk about. And I kind of laughed to myself because I was like, "Man, we could, we could have Leo on." I don't know. It would be a great podcast, but uh, he's just great to have around the program. Still, when I when I first started here, he obviously was an assistant coach, and um, he's he stepped I think back from that obviously, and uh, just a, great to have on our broadcast. Does a really nice job. Knows the game. Uh, knows this team obviously. Uh, loves Mammoth, you know, wholeheartedly. Uh, can you just talk a little bit about uh, the relationship with him and how it kind of started and, and where it's at now? Uh, well, my first year here, he was a he was a player, and um, and you didn't recruit Leo, right? He was already here. Did not recruit Leo, and his and his real name's Jeff Barblinar. Right. For those that <laughs> um, but he played at Tom's River South for for legendary coach Ken Frank, and he's just a baseball rat and good player, good personality, well rounded person. Comes from an athletic family. Came here, played, and. Um, you know, we needed an assistant coach after he was done playing. And I said, Hey, you want to, you want to coach? Cause he had those intangibles, you know, he had, uh, he loved to play. He was driven. He connected with people. Um, he was a hard worker and, and things worked out. And I think we went maybe 21 or 22 years at, on a staff together, which wow. I think was the second longest when he left here, other than the guys at Minnesota, uh, coach Bernice and, um, coach Anderson. So, I think we had the second longest tenure in Division One, which wasn't really made public, but it was kind of a neat little sidebar. Um, so he was a loyal soldier for so many years as a coach, and um, you know he's responsible for getting a lot of these players here with you know being connected to them and going to watch them play and talking to them on the phone, meeting their families, and um, you know we still talk. And you know the coaching the coaching industry, it's there's a lot of things that go on, but. You don't have a lot of friends sometimes, you know, and, <laughs> and, and Leo was like that guy that you could always turn to. He was, he was the guy that could, um, you know, he could, he could light up a room, you know, and he had a different perspective on things. He was able to um, keep things light with the players, with me. And 
I became really close with Leo and his family and, and we still remain close to this day. And, um, you know, I cherish our friendship and, you know, he was not only an assistant coach, but he was almost like a best friend for, for 20 plus years, you know, mm-hmm. and he was, we, we were each other's wingmen on Tuesday nights for burgers for quite a <laughs> ride. Uh, you, you mentioned him playing at Tom's River South. Great tradition of baseball here in, in Monmouth and Ocean County in the Shore Conference. But, if you know, if you look at not only the Shore Conference, if you look at our roster, there's a lot of guys from Jersey. Um, is that done purposely? Is that because of the baseball? Is that just you want to have a, a, a Jersey mentality? Um, obviously, we have players from all over, but there's a large number of kids from Jersey. I think – you know, there's a lot. There's a lot of really good players in New Jersey. You know, the New Jersey's not a, it's not an area that's uh, under recruited for sure. Everybody, mm-hmm. if you're a ball player in New Jersey and you have the ability to play in a college level, somebody's going to find you, and then five other schools are going to recruit you as well. Mm-hmm. You know, so anybody that can play is is um, you know on someone's radar. Mm-hmm. So we kind of um, have gone through years where, you know, maybe my first few years here, we did really well. Uh, we, we had a lot of kids from outside of Philadelphia and South Jersey. And that was like our, that was a base where we could go and, you know, recruit because this guy knew this guy. And then mm-hmm. as things evolved, you know, you got to different pockets of the state. But uh, the Shore Conference is tremendous. You know, we've, uh, I grew up locally. So I am, uh, you know, fortunate that I had that experience as a kid growing up around here and playing ball with so many good programs. Um, the feeder programs are good. The high school coaches are good. The travel ball programs are good. Um, and, you know, kids look at Monmouth as a viable option. So we try to really hammer the shore and then, you know, go outside from there. Question I, I think a lot of people will be interested in, um, and I'm not sure if you want to get into it or not. Um, you – are synonymous, uh, synonymous with the number seven here. Why number seven? It's always been my number, you know, ever since I was a kid. And um, so for a few reasons, it's been my number since I was a kid. But when I transferred to ECU as a player, Mike Sullivan had number seven. So I had to wear number 12. So I've been seven except for two years. <laughs> and Mike Sullivan was a good guy and, you know, he had seniority on me, so it, it was all good. <laughs> but yeah, so I've worn seven since uh, since I was a kid, and um, wore seven in, when I played other sports. I think I wore forty three in basketball because it added up to seven. I don't think you can wear. <laughs> I don't think I'm not a basketball guy, but I don't think you can wear, wear seven, seven in no. basketball. So if I was <laughs> yeah, a football yeah. player, I'd, I'd I'd probably be like a slot back or somebody <laughs> that can really run. Um, when I was younger, but yeah, I wore seven. And um, on a side note, with that. Uh, getting back to Leo, uh, Leo's kids still don't know my name's Dean or Mr. E. Halt. Or they, they just call me Seven. They, uh, so it's been a, a... I think a lot of people call you that. So, it, yeah, I mean, I don't I don't get all caught up in what people call me, but, you know, it's, uh, it's, it, it's, it's Seven, it's Coach, it's Dean, it's Dad, it's, it's, it's somebody. You know, I'm just a regular guy. Yep. No, it's funny that... Uh, that his kids don't know that don't know you other than seven, but I mean, just made an impact on on uh, Heck on yeah. somebody. Heck yeah! So, you know, as we wind down here, we, we like to just wrap up every interview with some you know questions that are not 
they're about you. They're not about the program you run or Mammoth or whatever. So I think my first one, and I kind of thought of this one yesterday when I was driving. I get these long drives, so I do a lot of thinking. Um, what uh, what's the best concert you've been to? And been, I, I been know to a few. We've talked we've talked about these a couple of these. So been to a few. I think the best one I've been to. Mm, I went to Motley Crue and Def Leppard a couple weeks ago. That was really couple good. weeks ago. Yeah, where was that at? Atlantic City Hard Rock. Okay, that was Hard really Rock. good. Queen with Adam Lambert and the Eagles Hotel California rank up there. So, how do the guys from the crew look? Uh, weathered, um, but they can they can thump Still and rock? they can yeah. The audience is is into every word and they yeah. have a new guitar player and um, you know they've got legendary no more Nikki musicians. Six Nikki Six crushes it. Yeah, he's the man. Oh. Uh, he's a he's a wizard. Um, I wish you'd come here and throw out our first pitch one day. <laughs> well, maybe, maybe we could work on that. Um, that hard rock is a great place to the, their amphitheater, whatever they call it is a great place to see a concert. I think there's like 6,000 seats total in the place. Um, I've seen a couple shows down there and it's really cool. Um, Molly crew, death, death leopard, death huh? leopards, death leopards, re- the one arm drummer. Yeah. They're really good instrumentally. Mm-hmm. I don't know anything about music, but they're really good. That's awesome. Sticks was good too when I saw them. Sticks can still get it done. Was that that was recently? Yeah, recently. they're they're always hitting the uh, PNC yes. Art Center circuit. Yeah, so I, I don't go to bad concerts, Greg. I, <laughs> I didn't think you did. I was just wondering what the best ones were. <laughs> I'm not a stadium guy. No. It's too many people. Uh, yeah, and the sound is never great. I just uh, I well yeah I no, agree. That's fair. That's fair. Um, I, th- this is an answer I know. We we talked about this. A number of times since I've been with you for ten plus years now, um, but I want to get the audience to to have them filled in. Um, you have an affinity for a couple movies, but certainly one. Um, why don't you share that with our uh, with our listeners? Madagascar, yeah. um, <laughs> the Madagascar penguins. Mm-hmm. Uh, just have been enamored with the penguins since I saw them. I actually saw them. Uh, I believe on a Quinnipiac weekend years ago in a hotel room while I was getting changed, it was on TV and it caught my attention <laughs> for 10 minutes. So I was putting the belt on and the socks. I'm like, this is pretty neat. And then I, I, I started watching it and I, it, it's evolved. And um, we have a coyote or a, a, a wolf on our field. And it, his name is class. We call him classified. Cause that's the name of a, a penguin. And <laughs> uh, that's the name of the, of the animal in the um, penguins movie. When my kids were younger and they were watching Madagascar, I used to tell them, I was like, you know, our baseball coach, Coach Ehall, loves this. And they wouldn't believe me. I'm like, no, he does. So right away we have talked many times about it. And they're great. They're they're funny. And they're, they're like pretty much the best part of all of the Madagascar movies. Yeah, and I found out last night on a, on a sidebar, uh, Coach Oliveri, who's mm-hmm. now the head coach at Lycoming College, is um, – He's expecting a child, him and his wife, Stephanie, and it's going to be Richard Oliveri, the third, of course. And I said, oh, that's cool, you know. And uh, he said, uh, we're not going to call him Rick or Rick or Richard. Or I said, what are you going to call him? <laughs> he goes, Rico. I said, you have no idea. That's the name of one of the penguins. That's awesome. You made my dad. <laughs> it is. It is. No, that uh, Madagascar. Good movies. Fun. Uh do you last one and we'll let you get out of here so you can worry about the weekend's games against Merrimack. Um, do you have any pregame 
kind of rituals. I don't want to call them super superstitions, but is there anything you do every every game leading up? No. A man after my own heart. Which is interesting because baseball is such a superstition-driven game. Try to keep the players on a routine. Mm -hmm. And I had superstitions as a player. Um, I found that they don't work too much when you coach. You need a good pitcher, and you (laughs) got to score runs. So I'm going to concentrate on that. doesn't matter what you eat or or what way you drive to work. No, I do take the same way. And you talk about thinking while you're driving, and and I've missed my exit many times. (laughs) Robotic. It's, that's interesting because baseball is such a superstition-driven sport. Everybody's got a thing. and uh, But if you tell somebody your thing, it's that's no true. longer a that's, thing. Yeah, that's fair. So you don't know if I'm telling you the truth. That's mm. also true. Okay. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's not like anybody's going to come and force you to take a different way to work or whatever. They could. Well, Co- Coach, I, we really appreciate you taking the time. We know you're busy as heck. Uh, best of luck. Come come see the guys at the park. It was kind of interesting for me looking over the schedule to see how much, you know, March 10th you open up conference play, and that seems like it's got to be the the earliest that we've ever played a conference match yeah, or next conference week, next series. Weekend. Home, home weekend, uh, weekend five is early. I think we the 17th we're home against yep. Elon. That'll be uh, the earliest we've ever opened up at home. Well, we definitely, uh, I w- I'm going to go out on a limb and say that this is the best conference that we've been a part of. Uh, here at Monmouth University, and there's going to be some outstanding baseball, and really need to come down to the park and 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 watch these guys. Some new some new pieces, uh, some some old familiar names, uh, but definitely if if you've been kind of watching the first few games, there's there's going to be a lot of excitement, and uh, these guys are fun to watch. So appreciate you taking this some some time. Uh, we're going to take a quick break, and uh, Gary and I will be back to break down uh, the rest of Monmouth Athletics. Thanks, guys. Edison Heating and Cooling provides full HVAC services to businesses and residents in Central Jersey. Visit EdisonHVAC.com to schedule your repair or your installation today. I think my favorite part of the show every week is we need to do the live read. Yeah, I wish we had more live reads. Let's get going on that. I I know. I'm working on it. Um, Fox Run. No, (laughs) just kidding. Uh, yeah, no, I, uh, I like the live read. I, I wish I got some new copy though. Maybe I'll reach out to Edison and be like, Hey, can you get me some new copy? Can we, can we talk about some new stuff? Uh, Coach E-Hall grilling me on the number of years he's been here. This is 30th year. Yeah, I was close. 30, 31. You know, coach is a detail oriented guy. He totally is. We've got 19 coaches here. <laughs> I knew it was, <clears throat> I knew it was, um, 29, 30 or 31. And I thought it was 31. But uh, my apologies. He has been an institution here. Uh, there have been so many guys who have come through here. We had Andy Myers on a couple of weeks ago. Uh, you know, he, he's just a, a just built a great alumni group. Yeah, and a great guys like here. we talked about his coaches. Uh, you know, a lot of guys coaching. I didn't want to get into everybody's names because you'll forget somebody. But there's right. a ton of guys. Um, two guys last year that were drafted that are getting going in spring training right now, Trey Dombrowski, Rob Hensey. It's exciting. Um, so we'll be following those guys, of course, on you know, their career path. And Trey was, was on last year with you and you and Eddie on, on the podcast. So he was awesome. Um, he was we'll awesome. obviously be watching rooting for those guys. Um, we know the success that Brad Brock had and, and Pat light and other guys throughout the program. So, um, coach, just, you know, run a classy program for a long time here. And, um, Everything he says 
for the listeners is completely true. He loves Madagascar. He really that does. Is real. When when my kids were little and they were obsessed with Madagascar, we would talk about it nonstop. And the, the if you ever drive by the park and there's a, a fake dog of some sort outside a coyote or a wolf, I don't know what it is, uh, to keep the geese off the field. Which as soon as we I think we, as soon as we pull the coyote in, the geese just land. Correct. Um, I think they might be immune to him by now. It is definitely named classified. Uh, I think it's actually, they might have markered it on there somewhere uh, <laughs> after uh, the Penguins of Madagascar. So, no, it's awesome. And, um, you know, that we've talked a lot about the CAA being a major jump for a lot of programs. Um, and, and I think, you know, baseball is one of those. Now, talk about the Southern schools, and he's absolutely right. You know, Charleston, Elon, some of those schools, you know, Really, really, really good at baseball, and have Campbell really, next year. Will Campbell when be they the come same in. kind of thing, yeah. right? Uh, but I thought it was interesting that the, that when we were kind of researching the the CAA, I think the last two champions have come from the north, northeastern yeah, and Hofstra, Hofstra, correct? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, it's baseball, right? You, you know, you, you just get, gotta hot get hot, and and you have good players. I mean, we've recruited players good enough to to win this league in the past. We just talked about two two draft picks last year, yeah. league. Um, we we have some good players uh, on our roster right now, and um, you know, I'm optimistic about about the group we have um, leading them, and and it'll be an exciting time I think for for Monmouth baseball. And and the one thing that I always you know, and I've been with Monmouth baseball for ten years now in the communications role. A um, lot of great guys, a lot of relationships I built through that program. But um, the one thing I will say is that those guys come back a sure. lot. Um, he he has Coach E. Halt runs a golf outing every fall. And a first pitch dinner prior to the season every February and every year packed tons of alums, parents, supporters, um, but mainly the alumni. They they and like he said, they may not be coming back to see Coach E. Hall or the coaches they played for, come to see the other guys and the guys that they played with and, and that's what he's created here, which I think is is pretty uh pretty unique. Yeah, and uh another unique aspect of Moth baseball is if you come to the game and you look, you probably can't see because of the glass, but Gary will be sitting behind doing just about every job by himself, by his choice. Uh, sometimes we were tight on people, sometimes we're not, but he will be uh, announcing, keeping the score, uh, ch- changing batting music. Playing great tunes. Playing great tunes. Really good. We have a good, we have good, good tunes here. Uh, and sometimes working the scoreboard. Now, normally we have a scoreboard operator there. And then, oh, by the way, he's already set up the uh, the stream. Um, so it's one of my favorite times of year. He, he looks like an octopus. Just he needs a couple more arms, like three or four arms and more arms. Love being out at the done. ballpark. Uh, w- one thing that I'm excited about, and we probably could have young Drew on here for this section, is we just installed our very first center field RoboCam. It's going to be awesome. It's weatherproof. It has a windshield wiper on it. Uh, and and uh, it's going to give us, uh, because we don't have like a double decker stands in the outfield, like a, you know, like a traditional minor league park does. Uh, it's going to give us an angle for pitches and, and different stuff that will be more aligned to what you're used to watching on TV. So uh, that was not uh, an easy endeavor. Uh, we learned a whole bunch of things about having to buy a 25-foot pole and uh, how you power a camera up there, and the people on campus have been awesome helping with all of that. 
uh, installing it, making sure we install it even, you know, before the season starts. So I'm excited to see that thing in action. And uh, it is a bird dog. Uh, I don't remember the number, but it's a bird dog camera. And if they're listening and they want us to shout, test more, shout of, out. yeah, more of their great products, uh, why don't you send them along and let us, uh, you know, give us some samples, hook us up anyway, uh, coming out. Well, by the time this podcast hits, uh, the all, uh, CAA teams will have been announced at least for on the men's side and, uh, we will have one. Yep. Yeah, Jack Collins uh, onto the all-rookie team. I would think he was probably right there in the voting for rookie of the year. Um, Elon had a, a, a guard who just probably edged him out. They were the only two guys in the league as freshmen that averaged in double figures and scoring. Um, for my for my money, I take Jack Collins over pretty much anybody just based on everything he brings outside yeah, yeah, of watch scoring. watch him run around the court. Um, Steals. Yeah, he's he's... He's all. He's great. He's he's going to be a major piece to uh, what Coach Rice has going moving forward. So a, a well deserved um, first honors in the CAA for anybody in the men's basketball program um, is Jack Collins on the All Rookie Team, and and he definitely deserves it. I know he's um, not to get off on a on a diatribe or a tangent or anything here, but but I know this area, and and we just talked about it with Coach E Hall. The short conference is so um, robust, and they have so many good athletes, and and people around this area always want kids in the short conference to end up here at Monmouth. And we would love that, um, you know, as long as the players are good. Right. Um, but now we've found a kid who, you know, there was probably other guys in Jack's class, and I'm obviously not going to mention any names, but that people were like, oh, you got to take this kid. You got to take this guy. You take right. this guy. And they're we doing up, nothing. And we end up with Jack Collins, and he's <laughs> the best of the group. Um, so I just I would like to, to throw that out there for, for people to just recognize what, what a job he's done. Um, and what a job our coaches have done. And what a job our coaches have done. He was an under-recruited kid that we picked out of a gym. And and obviously, he's from Manasquan. We, we watched kids from this area. We watch kids from this area all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, so the rhetoric of, you know, guys don't want to go to Monmouth is just not true. Um, because Jack Collins is living proof that, you know, he's here. He's on an all-CA team. And... Um, and he's from right up the street, up he's in Manasquan. Tons so. of fun to watch. He always seems to hit a three when we need it the most. And Great attitude. Plays really hard. <laughs> so uh, he plays yeah. like 38 minutes a game. He's, uh, you know, been thrown into a role as a freshman that you probably don't foresee when you come in, right? Mm-hmm. But but kind of by necessity and, and based on how hard he played, he deserved all those minutes. So um, major shout-out to Jack. Um, I'm pumped up for him. Hopefully next week when the, when the women get their awards announced, we have some uh, some recognition on that side as well. Um, but yeah, heading into conference tournament time, we are, uh, almost through to the spring. Not quite. This is, um, one of those tricky times of year for, for us here in college athletics where everything's kind of going on at once. But like we talked about before, the men will go down to DC, take on Hampton, um, team that has gotten the best of us twice, been two good games and we'll see, uh, See what we can get done down in, in Washington, D.C., and, and see if this team can, you know, not even get on a run, but but end the year on a high note with right. with a win or two or Let's get some know, a couple wins down in D.C. and, and um, you know, kind of get your feet wet in the CAA tournament and, and uh, make a little bit of noise, right? What's what this time of year is for. Sure. New new format, new city, new league. Uh, really expect ex- excited for that. If you haven't gotten tickets yet, uh, Monmouth University has them. We have them. Call our box office. Uh, call them actually call the Monmouth Athletics box office. Don't call the university box office. Um, we, we you know 
we have in the cell, good seats. You'll sit with other Mammoth fans. Uh, similar price, maybe even less. I'm not sure than the CAA, but we have an allotment of tickets that we have to buy, and we'd like to unload them if you plan on going. So, uh, last thing before uh, we sign off, and and you and I throw our stuff in a, in a car and head down to DC today. Uh, well, first I got to cut up and post this podcast, but. <laughs> Uh, last thing, last weekend, what a weekend we had. You you guys really road tripped it hardcore down there. We did. We had fun. Um, there wasn't even a dopey article written about it. No, we didn't put up a graphic just detailing how many hours we worked because this is the job <laughs> we signed up for. Um, and we, we didn't pat know, ourselves on the back. We all know how, how much we put into this. Um, no, it was uh, obviously men's R- basketball. Run through it. Run through it all. Well, so we got down on Tuesday. Um, we drove down to Virginia. We had a men's lacrosse game here uh, against NJIT. Got a win. Got in the car right after the game. It was hailing. Um, <laughs> True. I uh, I took the wheel while our rest let the rest of our crew get some some work done. Um, so we knocked out men's lacrosse. Drove down to Virginia um, Wednesday and Thursday. Shout out my guys Ryan Schwager and Brady Weaver. Spent the entire days Wednesday and Thursday at uh, the track and field championships indoor. Great coverage. Um, and we'll get into some of those accolades uh, when I finish what I'm saying here. But um, Mark Mormon, who is our swimming contact and supervisor, spent pretty much all day, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, um, and into Saturday at the swimming championships. Um, and then we had men's basketball Thursday night at Hampton. All those guys were at that game. And Saturday afternoon at William & Mary, all those guys were at that game. Um, just grinding and, and hopefully – uh, you're for listening to this podcast. You're obviously invested in what we do here at Monmouth Athletics. You're able to catch some of the content that went out. Um, just celebrating our, our great athletes. We talked with Coach Nelson last week about his first CAA championships on the indoor side and um, really had a lot of success. The men came in second place, held the lead, um, obviously couldn't get it all the way done, but but really good progress for their first, um, for his first time. And shout out to a guy we had on this podcast, um, our guy Dalton. Multiple times breaking the the school record in the pole vault, winning the pole vault, going away uh, in the CAA, and some of the the video and, and photos that were captured at that um, tells you why you want to be involved in something like this and why you want to work in college athletics. His energy level, how excited he was to break that record, like that's a great moment, and and I can't stress enough. And I wasn't there for it, but but our guys were, and they captured it, and. Um, puts a premium, I think, on what we do, right, to, to capture those moments for the history of what we do in Mammoth Athletics, but mm-hmm. also for a kid like Dalton who's worked so hard to get to where he's at and then he breaks the school record in the CAA finals in the pole vault. Um, obviously, his his best mark um, was really, really cool. We had a lot of other people medal um, on both the men's and the women's sides. Um, and then in swimming, I was there for, for this one. This was really cool. Um, Callan Smith winning the first gold medal for Mama Swimming in the CAA. Um, swimming, another, another podcast guy. Swimming is a bear. I mean, there's a lot of really good swimmers and a lot of good teams, as I saw firsthand in, in the CAA um, at the meet last weekend. But um, Callan was able to come through on, I believe it was Friday night, Friday evening. Um, and when he won, our, our kids were going nuts, and the podium was surrounded by our team. Matt Nunley was able to pre- present him, our head coach, with, with his gold medal. Um, and like you said, Callan is, is, was a podcast guest. He's, He's an awesome. awesome, awesome student athlete. Great really kid. good podcast. Um, so I was, I was excited for him to, uh, 
earned the first gold medal that we've ever won in, in swimming. And I know we talked about we didn't win a gold medal that fast when we were in the MAC, so so we're already a little ahead of schedule um, on that. But, yeah, long week in Virginia. It was like 82 degrees a couple of the days. It was awesome. Mm. We had shorts on. It was, it was wonderful. Um, and right back down south, right back down to D.C. in a couple hours here. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> uh, you guys crushed it. You know, the one thing that kind of I was thinking about is, even from just 10 years ago, the, the, the student athletes, and I'm not talking about just at Monmouth, they're everywhere across the country. <clears throat> they get so much more, I don't want to call it memories, but like photos and video and live streams so that their grandparents in, you know, 10 states away can watch. Like, it's just really awesome what the technology has enabled, like, these student athletes to to see and then to, like, have for the rest of their lives, you know, take it away from like, even if you don't necessarily have video, if we didn't capture it, uh, almost every single person who plays something, we have 600 plus student athletes has some kind of picture, um, that, that they can each. And, and the only reason why I'm saying how much of, I appreciate that is because we, when we do things like an, an alumni day and things like that, um, we have to go back and try to find photos of these people and, and, prior to it gets difficult prior to a certain year you know it, it gets downright impossible prior to like 19, the late 80s but um between like the 80s and 2001 ish um there's not a lot to pick from so uh i i just think that what i'm trying to say is to whoever's doing this job in 20 years you're welcome <laughs> <laughs> All right, so on the docket this week between the, between now, I'm excited for next week's guest. I'm not gonna kind of blow the lid off of it, but um, we got to figure out a day to get him in here. Uh, he, he will be. Let's just say he he is a NFL hopeful, um, and and I think uh, it'll be a great another great interview. But um, thank you to Coach Ehalt. We got some basketball this weekend. Everything we got everything this weekend. It's crossover season. Get to MonmouthHawks.com. Check that stuff out. If you need some HVAC, go to go to Edison Heating and Cooling. Uh, obviously, RWJ Barnabas is a huge sponsor of this program. Um, you should be using their medical facilities. Uh, I don't even know. You can't go three blocks without seeing something with their logo on it, so I don't even know where else you could go. Uh, but they don't sponsor us, so who cares? Uh, Gary and I are hitting the road soon, and uh, hopefully we'll, we'll have a, a – well, hopefully we'll be in the NCAA tournament. Uh, the next time we record one of these, but uh, if not, I think we'll just take a couple good, really good showings and, um, and, and that's it. This has been a production of the Monmouth Digital Network. Hawk Talk is available on all major podcast distribution sites, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Audible, Pandora, and more. All rights reserved. Hawk Talk is brought to you in part by the Monmouth Medical Center and RWJ Barnabas Health Facility and a recognized leader in patient safety and clinical quality. For more information about services close to you, visit rwjbh.org slash mammoth. Let's be healthy together.